Hello everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Tonight's episode is extra special, and extra scary, because who better to tell scary stories with than Derek Weber? scary stories. He's tonight's special guest, and if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to check out his channel. He's wildly talented, he's got great stories, and some pretty sick channel thumbnails. Check out the description for a link to his channel. Okay, friends, it's gonna be a spooky one, so let's get started, shall we? In my adult life, I've been mocked. People have even attempted to shame me a bit for my beliefs. I don't always talk about them for this reason. Not because I care what people think about me, but more because it's sort of offensive to open up about something that's personal to you. Only to have someone ridicule you. But I've been feeling nostalgic lately. And this story is essentially the one that led me down this path of beliefs. Like now, I'm not ashamed to admit how awkward and unpopular I was in high school. Early 90s was the Attitude Era, and the news portrayed the normal teenage experience to be one of drugs, debauchery, and violence. My overachieving boomer parents chose to homeschool me up until grade 10. The year prior would have been my freshman year in regular school. Instead, I was still homeschooled. That year, a woman named Diane called our house while my dad was at work. My mom answered the phone, and before the call was disconnected from the wall by the cord, Diane told my mom a story about how she came to be pregnant with my father's baby. Long story short, the staff at my home school were either fired or resigned from their teaching roles, sending me to the wolves of teenage hormones and self-destructive drama. Sophomore year, I'm the new guy, and the first couple of months are incredibly lonely. Both at home and at school, I'm ignored by the ones around me. Like a phantom wandering the hallways, intrusive thoughts were my only company. Often, I'd ponder how long it would take for someone to notice the sudden dip in my perfect attendance. However, a fear to discover what the answer might be... I never tested my theories. As the year continued, the people that did grace me with the attention were, in retrospect, probably kids that fostered a lot of the same internal anger I did. Unable to connect what's being taught in school with the existential lessons being taught in our respective homes, we couldn't find the value, and we started skipping school more regularly. Our parents weren't in the PTA, and all of our grades combined wouldn't have made us eligible to participate in any extracurricular activities. Therefore, the secretaries had little incentive to follow up on our whereabouts, or eventually even bother keeping track of our growing absence tallies. With our newly claimed free time, we'd fill it up by drinking and partying nightly. One of our friends, 
Jordan. He had an older brother who was in the military. He was deployed overseas, and he'd given his brother an extra key to his place. Their father was physically abusive, and his brother would let him stay when things got heavy. We took advantage of this and slowly began to call the apartment home. By winter of the next year, it was basically Jordan and I living there regularly. And whatever girls we were dating at the time, they'd usually be around too. At the time of this story, I was in a new relationship. She was at the apartment, and the plan was to take her home. It was her first time there, and she hadn't planned on staying over, but we got snowed in. After a bit of low-key partying, her and I had fallen asleep on the pull-out bed in the living room, watching a movie. Early the next morning, and I mean before the sun was even up, I'm shaken into consciousness by my panicked girlfriend. Her pale cheeks were stained by streaks of eyeliner from where her tears had been falling. From the looks of it, she'd been awake all night. As soon as she sees my eyes open, before I can ask what's wrong. There's something wrong with this place, Alex. Someone's here. Without thinking much about what she's saying, I tell her, yeah, Jordan's here. She quiets her voice as if she's afraid of something and says, It's not Jordan. It's a man. He was standing over us. I almost hop up out of bed, but she shushes me with one hand and reaches out for me with the other. Please, come back to bed. Don't leave. I gave her a what-the-hell kind of stare. I wasn't sure what she wanted from me, but her return stare, it seemed desperate. I think it was a ghost. Like, it was a man, but he wasn't solid. My look didn't change, but I was feeling myself getting a little frustrated. You woke me up like this because you think you saw a ghost? I asked her, almost annoyed. If it's not clear, I was not a believer at this time. My question made her straighten up a bit, though. She tells me that she's not messing around. Her words were, I saw him standing over us. I could see him, but I could also see through him. What would you call that? Based on her description, it sure sounded like a stereotypical ghost. He walked through a wall, Alex. The man stood over us and then he walked right through that wall. She pointed towards Jordan's room which was actually his brother's room. I realized that she's pretty upset, and instead of egging her on any further, or making her feel worse, I tell her about a time that I had a dream where my mom walked through a wall. She also tried to cut my stomach open in that dream. It just felt like the right thing to relay, like it would somehow make her feel better about having a crazy dream. I was fully expecting her to just snap out of it, realize that it was a dream. Sure, maybe she would feel silly, but that's for sure what it was. My story did not soothe her mind. Instead, she got up and said to me, I laid there listening to the footsteps before he appeared over us. Explain that. Also, you're missing the part about how I was actually awake. She then rushed into the bathroom. Looking back, I know how she felt now me questioning her. 
but not at the time. At the time, I sat back down on the pull-out bed, and I just sort of looked around. Everything seemed normal. I could hear the portable house phone ring from inside the room that Jordan was in. I laid back down, and I waited for my girlfriend to return. When she does, she's still not happy with me. But before I can pay her any attention, we hear something incredibly disheartening coming from Jordan's room. We both look at each other and head straight inside. He's crying. Not only had I never seen him cry before, I'd never seen or heard anyone cry quite like this before. It was painful to hear, even more painful to watch. It took literal minutes before he could actually tell us what was going on. And while I sat next to Jordan, my girlfriend walked across his room. I say walked, but it was more like a beeline for the dresser. Slowly, minutes passed, and Jordan spoke up, barely muffling out the words, He's dead. He's fucking dead. I should have said something, but I guess I was waiting for him to say more. Maybe it should have clicked with me, but it just didn't. Your brother? Is that who's in this picture? Is this your brother? And almost insensitively, my girlfriend shoves a picture in Jordan's face. And he nods. Is he in the military? Apparently, she didn't know. He continues crying, but manages to let out that, yeah, he's in the army. Well, he was. He's dead now. We're all just sitting on the bed. Jordan looking down at the photo. My girlfriend and I are looking at each other. She shoots me a look as we comfort my friend. She was looking at me, and then the photo, and then towards the living room. Still not entirely understanding what's going on, she mouths to me, That's the man I saw. And then looks back at the photo in Jordan's hands. Full body chills as I start putting together everything that's just happened. And in the same moment... Jordan hops up and says that he's got to get out of here. He's got to go see his dad. He's manic. Understandable, of course, but within moments, he's trying to leave the house, completely forgetting that we're snowed in. Frustrated, angry, and grieving. For the next couple of hours, we watch as Jordan empties the contents of every single bottle he can find. He's starting to lose it a little bit pacing the apartment, crying on and off. My girlfriend exhales like she's been holding her breath for hours. She tells me that she's going to go talk to him, and she immediately walks into his room. She removes all the alcohol or the bottles and shuts the door. It's while sitting in the living room alone that I start to spook myself out a little bit. It's broad daylight, Yet I feel like I'm sort of sitting in the dark. I'm directly in front of a space heater, yet I have chills. There's a strange sort of sadness that sinks in. I feel way more sad about this than even I think I should. I can't explain it, but I felt like I had somehow lost my life or my own brother had died. I know it doesn't make any sense, but the feeling was that I was feeling something that wasn't entirely my own. It tripped me out. 
I don't know what exactly they talked about in there, but though the day carried on a bit somber, Jordan did seem to feel a bit better. There was still nowhere to go, and so we just had to kind of sit in it. Finally, we got some relief when the snow plows came early in the evening. Jordan would go off to see his dad, asking us to stay and sort of watch the place. I offered to drive my girlfriend home, but she told me she'd rather stay, saying that now that she knew who it was, who she saw, it wasn't so scary. If anything, like me, she just felt sad. So we just stayed there, sad, but somehow it felt like the right thing to do. That night, nothing happened, at least nothing I could see. Thinking back on the whole thing over the years, I think my ex was a medium and just didn't realize it at the time. Like a lot of things that year, our relationship ended. Not exactly amicably, otherwise I would probably try to track her down and see if she recalls this whole thing. But also to see if she is in fact a medium, and if she still sees, for lack of a better phrase, dead people. One of the last things my girlfriend says to me that night while we're falling asleep is along the lines of, He's here. And at the time, I just really didn't like that. I didn't show it, but yeah. That made me a little uneasy. I'll save the other stories for another time. Thanks for reading. So check this out. I've had a few experiences throughout my life. Luckily, I've never actually seen one with my eyes as I think I would go white and faint if I did, but I've had audio experiences and physical experiences too. This first story is from 12 or so years ago when I was in middle school. I used to have sleepovers at my best friend's house often. Being the curious kids we were, we started using a Ouija board. It would move and it would answer questions, but I was never really sure if my friend was just doing it or not. We started lighting a candle, turning off the lights, and closing the windows. We would always start with the same question, if there are any spirits in this house, please sway the candle fire. And a few seconds later, a breeze would come through and sway the candle left and right. We would ask questions and say, sway the candle fire for yes or keep it still for no i don't remember all of the questions we asked but i'll always remember the moment when i asked if you are real make a sound my friend had a drum set in his room sitting to the right of us against the wall perpendicular to the couch that we were on right after i said to make a sound the snare drum went do 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 super loud I remember not being scared, but just thinking, wow, okay, well, I got my answer. This stuff is real. I then asked again for it to make a quieter sound, and it did. It knocked three times on the floor beneath the couch. I think we wrapped it up after that, and from then on, whenever I'd sleep over, late at night, a pen or something would get thrown across the room, and we'd be like, was that you? 
and he had general haunting stuff happen, like the piano playing when no one else was home, or when laundry was finished, the washer and dryer door would open on their own, as if the ghost was being like, yo, here you go, your clothes are done. Thinking back, as an adult now, I wish I would have asked so many more questions. I'm so curious. I wish I would have asked if it's true that ghosts are really spirits of the dead, or are you guys something entirely different that we have no idea about? Is heaven and hell real, or do you have no idea? What exactly are you? Where do you come from? Are you immortal? Can you travel amongst the universe, or are you bound to the grounds of the earth? Part of me wants to reconnect so I can try to ask those questions, but I know it's not worth the risk of bringing a haunting on myself. I was kidnapped as a child by my father. Today I write this as a 36-year-old man, so you'll have to bear with me as the details of this story are vague and a blur. But I'll share what I remember. In the summer of 1993, I was in first grade. My parents had been divorced for many years, with my mother having sole custody. As a child, I barely remembered my father, but... He would make his brief appearances or send gifts on Christmas or my birthdays. Seeing my dad always made me happy as I was far too young to comprehend the complexities of a battered relationship or marriage. After school one day, I was shocked to come outside and see my father waiting for me. My grandma usually picked me up from school, but never my father. He had a small black car, a beater, he always seemed to dress nice, suspenders and slacks, hair pulled back into a tight ponytail. I remember getting in his car and smelling what I now know as an adult to be a clove. I later gathered that he had a habit of rolling his own cigarettes and that he must have been in a clove phase. There's a gap in time and now it's nighttime and I'm watching the fluorescent lights from miscellaneous stores fly by my passenger seat window. A gas station I can't remember, Brahms ice cream at an intersection, and more time loss. I'm now running around with another kid, in and out of yellow-lit apartment corridors. Some doors are open, and we go into one. There are kids in a back bedroom playing Sega. I watch as Sonic zips through the rings, and I listen to the familiar music that momentarily makes me feel safe. I suddenly realize I'm very alone with complete strangers and find my way back outside. Another gap. My belly is full from bean burritos and I'm looking down a very dark hallway in my father's apartment. I'm standing next to an aquarium giving blue ambient light that sits on my face. I want to go home. Something doesn't feel right. In an attempt to comfort me, my father gives me a toy flashlight that projects the Batman symbol. I shine it down the black hallway. The cheap plastic of the switch fidgets and stubbornly slides, clicking on and off. My father is on the phone, and he's upset. Voice raised. I apologize for not knowing what happened next, but 
I can confidently say that I was safely returned by my father. My mother had no idea where he lived and would sometimes drive around at night in an effort to find the mentioned landmarks to trigger my memory. I haven't thought much about this until tonight, and it really made me feel wrong and uncomfortable. As you may have guessed, I don't have a relationship with him. My grandparents' house was built in the 1500s. I don't live there, but I've slept there enough to know that it's haunted. I'm also currently sleeping at my grandparents'. Anyway, many people have died here and everyone has seen things here. The most recent experience was last night, and this happens all the time. But when you're in the downstairs bathroom, you can hear footsteps. They start far away and get closer and closer until they sound right outside the door. I often run out halfway through brushing my teeth, I'm so scared. I'm not the only one that hears it either. My brother does too. He even explained how it sounds like heels. As I said, there are so many other stories. Like once, while in the hallway, I heard a man in my left ear saying, Hello. No TVs were on or radios. I, of course, ran once again as I'm just scared of stuff like that. You also hear the front door opening and closing even when it's locked. We hear footsteps upstairs like animals. My grandparents did own over 10 animals and it sounds like a dog running, but they weren't upstairs. I often see cats walking about, ones that aren't actually there, and we see people walking up the stairs and in the hallways. I promise on my life that none of this is made up. I'm not sure if they're good spirits or not, but they definitely freak me out, especially the men. The ones that speak, like that first one in the living room, we all hear voices, including friends that come over and don't know anything about the ghosts. I don't mind them being about, as I know it was probably once their house and we don't want to push them out of their house, but man, many other things have happened. I'm not going into detail, as I'm actually kind of getting freaked out right now, as I feel like someone's hovering over me, watching. My family and I were recently on a trip in Glasgow. We stayed in this fantastic hotel that had obviously been around a while. Lots of plaques and photos of famous people who had stayed there, etc. The first night, I woke up, though not abruptly, really, but to what I can only describe as a presence. I heard distinctly, and by that I mean somehow the words entered my brain but it wasn't quite a voice, per se. But I heard someone say, I'm watching you. But it wasn't scary at all, somehow. It was absolutely matter-of-fact. I don't have any other experiences like this, and I've always thought of myself as a big scaredy-cat, so I have no idea how I fell back to sleep. Not only that, I woke up the next day feeling great, 
and I didn't even remember to tell anyone. The morning following the next night, my mom, who was sharing a room with me, says at breakfast, You all aren't going to believe me, but I swear someone was in our room last night. I remember thinking, just be still and let them finish whatever they're doing. Needless to say, this jogged my memory, and I relayed my experience. The fact that we had two independent experiences in the same room, it kind of confirms for me that something is in that hotel. I asked the staff right before we left, and they kind of smiled and said, Not sure, but you're not the first to mention this. Okay, so this story takes place a couple of years back at my mother's house. I remember getting a Ouija board at a Walmart. This was probably like 2016 or 2017. I had a friend with me that day and we played with it a couple of hours after buying it. It was still daylight outside. As I expected, nothing happened or came out of the experience for a couple of days. After we were done playing, we said goodbye and placed the Ouija board in a closet which was at the foot of my bunk bed. I remember one night around 1am a few days later, I awoke to something tingling and felt touching at my feet. Now let me just say this, there was no fan on and this has never happened previously. I also had no pets in the room at the time. I was completely alone. I will never mess with that stuff again. I threw it away the next morning and I remember sleeping in the living room that night. Again, there could have been many explanations as to why this happened, but who knows? Just a strange experience that possibly could have been paranormal. I've had several strange things occur, often enough throughout my lifetime to no longer just pass them off as coincidence or something other than it is. I grew up in households of many different religions, and from a young age I showed great interest in spirituality and other religions. People in my family, or in direct contact with those practicing religion, it would range from Catholic to occult. My grandmother was overly religious, and she spent nights awake reading the Bible and praying. This is just some background on how I grew up. Spiritually, I spent a great deal of time with other families who practiced occult and Wiccan practices. Anyway, whatever. You get the point. So, I love nature. Water is soothing, and the woods... I collect crystal quartz and stones that are meant for different uses, such as healing. My husband and I were at a state rec-type area, way out of our area, looking for such stones. As I was sitting on the ground, digging away, a woman and a younger girl approached and questioned what I was doing. The young girl lost interest fast, but the older woman she was with, she had remained I showed her what I had collected and even offered one as a gift. Her face kind of washed over like she was dazed out a bit. 
She took the stone and said how she would keep it and forever remember the moment. She went on to tell me how beautiful I was and how my eyes radiated life and light and how I'm such an inspiration for some people. She went on about my eyes and other things. I was rather surprised but remained humble and managed to appear not as dumbfounded by her as I was. I never really experienced anything like it before. She really did seem like she'd gone into a daze, though, prior to. Another odd encounter, well, two odd encounters. My husband and I frequent a local weekly farmer's market. We generally start up at the top of the building so that he can run to use the bathroom. I stand outside and patiently wait. I'm an anxious and empathetic person, so I try to just keep to myself as I wait. So I'm just standing there, probably staring at the floor or something, and this guy comes out of the bathroom and just stands beside me. Hmm, okay, whatever. I look up and he looks at me and says, Going to be a full moon tonight. Said something else about luck and I just sort of stood there, looking at him. Husband comes out of the bathroom and we head off. A short while later, this man and another man walk by. The man who spoke to me earlier looked my way and said something to the other guy I couldn't catch and then said, I'd know her anywhere. Okay, next up, different time. I travel a lot and we like to visit odd places. We stopped at this radio place where an older woman walked people through for a tour. Her husband had collected them and had passed away. There was a smaller shed building and then a garage. I'd gone in this shed just a moment and then left my husband to go back to the truck. After a short while, he and the woman came out of the shed. She walked over to me with her hands cupped, kind of shyly, and said she had a gift for me. I said, oh yeah, a gift? And I put my hands out in front of her, where she placed a beaded Christmas spider. She didn't really say much other than there was information about them online. I got out of the truck to follow them along the garage. I had the gift in my hand. I swear, when I walked through that garage, I felt all these tiny little spiderweb threads tickling my legs and arms. I was brushing at my legs as though to, well, brush them away. No one else seemed to notice. Even after going back outside, I'd mentioned it to my husband. He brushed me off like I did the webs. When I was 19, I got a job working security at a haunted house in my smallish town. Naturally, this was around Halloween time, and the event was relatively busy throughout the season. Despite what happened my second week, I stayed through Halloween. As security, we were there before the house opened, and for a few hours after closing, too. Mainly just to make sure no kids were left behind and secure the premises before leaving. The first week was pretty uneventful. I mean, I was busy trying to make sure that I knew what I was doing, so focused on not screwing up that I wasn't really even taking in the attractions themselves. 
one of our jobs was to walk through everything 40 minutes or so, once large crowds had left the house and before a new crowd was let in. This was to give actors a chance to switch or use facilities, but also acted as a time to clear out anyone who wasn't supposed to be in there. One evening, about two weeks into the job, I was tasked with checking the third floor, the top floor of this haunted mansion. Honestly, I didn't find the place to be too creepy. I mean, I saw it with lights on before opening and it was mainly just a creepy looking house, but I didn't feel like anything was off. Not until this night, anyway. I was making my way up the stairs, flashlight out in front as I reached the top, and two of the actors brushed by me, likely to use the restroom or to get some air. There's just three actors up there in total, so I look around to see where the third one is. I notice that over near the window, which is covered in newspaper and fake blood, there's someone standing. It doesn't look like the woman in white, who... I was expecting to see it's someone clearly dressed in all black i start to move my light towards the black figure in the corner when suddenly i feel someone brush their fingertips over the top of my ear it was such a specific feeling i whipped around expecting to see one of the actors but nobody was there i whip back around towards the figure near the window but the figure's gone there's nothing there Nothing or no one is anywhere. I just sort of pace around the room and then start looking around and realize there's just no way anyone could be hiding in here. A few moments later, all three of the actors come marching up the stairs, the lady in white included. I ask them, what the heck? Were all three of you gone this whole time? And they all tell me, yeah, they were gone. I wasn't sure what I was expecting to hear, but damn... That wasn't it. One of the actors asks me why I look so scared, which I wasn't aware of, but I told them I swear I saw someone else up here during the time that they were all gone. And they sort of smile, all three of them, and they say, you know this place is actually super haunted, right? I said, no, I, I didn't know that. We chatted for a couple of minutes, and the lady in white said that when she would sit in the rocking chair near the window she'd feel something beginning to get closer to her, even swore that when it was dark, she'd see something much darker standing right next to her. The other actors attested to feeling weird brushes of air and the feeling of being watched. How had I not heard about this before? I guess I never cared to ask, really, and up until that point, nothing had felt quite as dark or, I guess, as haunted as that third floor felt. Like I said, I kept working through the season, but I almost always traded with someone if I was tasked with closing down the third floor. There was just no way I was going to be the last one in that room for the night alone. Recently, I visited some family in Michigan. I do this every four months, and this time, I was visiting with a friend who we'll call Jason. We got there around five in the afternoon, and we moved our luggage into the house. We said hello to everyone and started a barbecue outside. Around nine or ten, the family decided to play flashlight tag out in the woods. 
As stupid as it sounds, it was actually a hobby of ours every time I'd visit. So we all had our flashlights and went into the woods. No one could think of a hiding spot, so Jason and I climbed this enormous tree to the near top of it, where the branches actually managed to hold our weight. In the distance, we saw flashes of light and them flailing around, the result of the taggers finding new people. Almost an hour had passed, and I assumed that they went inside for a break since there was no visible light coming from the backyard. Another hour has passed, and me and Jason joke around that they'd forgotten about us. After a good 30 minutes of talking, we were playing around with the flashlights, turning them on and off. Out of boredom, I went up higher in the tree, and Jason followed close. The branches became weak, and I'd wondered when they would break, but... Surprisingly, they didn't. I shone my light further in the woods, and I spotted a dark object moving along the line of brush. I shrugged it off as natural wildlife, and then I heard barking in the direction of the bush. It sounded like a dog, but it was off. It sounded more like a human at the end. Assuming it was someone's dog, I also shrugged it off. Then I shone the light down near a few trees next to the one we were on. I saw this massive dog, six feet tall. I remember exactly what it looked like. Pitch black fur. It was tangled near the head. Bloodshot eyes. Cold black pupils. I realized this when all of a sudden it snapped its head in our direction. And Jason and I froze. It let out an unearthly howl, and it started barking and circling the tree. We stayed up there most of the night. When the sun started to come up, we hauled ass back to the house. At the house, there was a note saying that they had to leave for the hospital. One of the children had been sick. There was a spare key under the mat, so we let ourselves in. I quickly locked the doors and windows... Me and Jason went up to our room and we started playing board games. When the family came home later in the morning, we shared our story, but they laughed it off, said it was someone's dog. But when we got there, none of the neighbors had dogs, not that I knew of. When nightfall came, I heard distant howling in the woods. Jason motioned to turn off the light, and I did. The nights there were sleepless, the circling of paws around the house, and the distant howling in the woods when everyone was asleep. Eventually, we left, and on the radio, I heard this old song about the Wolfman of Michigan. Driving away from the house, I looked back and I saw the quote-unquote dog standing upright on the house's roof staring in our direction. A cool summer morning in early June is when the legend began. At a nameless logging camp in Wexford County where the Manistee River ran. Eleven lumberjacks near the Garland Swamp found an animal they thought was a dog. In a playful mood, they chased it around till it ran inside a hollow log. A logger named Johnson grabbed him a stick and poked around inside. Then the thing let out an unearthly scream and came out. 
and stood upright. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode and that you'll join me every Friday night for a brand new one. Special thanks to my friend Derek Weber for joining me on tonight's episode. I'm such a huge fan of his show, and I really hope you guys will check out his channel and subscribe. You won't be disappointed. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to The Darkest Hour if you haven't already, and tap the bell so you never miss a thing. I want to thank those who shared their stories, and a big thanks to all of you for listening. I sure appreciate all of it, and I can't thank you enough. Huge shout out to all of my patrons for their unwavering support. Shane Q, Stephen S, Monica L, The Dark Cosmos, Zoe Watt, Shelly B, Donald C, Rat Girl, Alicia S, Aaron G, and Nikki H. If you want to support The Darkest Hour in other ways, consider joining my Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash thedarkesthour or click the link in the description to learn more. You can keep up with me and all things Darkest Hour over on my Instagram at thedarkesthourYT and follow me on Twitter, AmandaJaneTDH. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, AmandaDarkestHour at gmail.com or on the Darkest Hour subreddit, the Darkest Hour YT. Stay spooky. Could have been the wind. Nobody looked up there. Then in the summer of 87, near Luther, it happened again. At a cabin in the woods, it looked like maybe someone had tried to break in. There were cuts around the doors that could only been made by very sharp teeth and claws. He didn't wear shoes because he didn't have feet. He walked on just two paws. So far this year, no stories have appeared. Have the dog men gone away? Have they disappeared? Soon enough, I guess we'll know, because this is the time to fear. For another ten years has come around. The seventh year is here. And somewhere in the Northwoods darkness, a creature walks upright. And the best advice you may ever get 